0: Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders.
1: What's going on, guys? Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to give you a quick update on the Ready Eddy membership program. To this point, we've grown to have thousands of products from up-and-coming startups and small businesses in the outdoor travel and lifestyle space on the platform. You can save up to 50% off all of these products, anything from skis to jackets to food bars to supplements. Anything you could think of to support your outdoor activities is on the platform from small up-and-coming brands. It's a great opportunity to support small businesses while also discovering brands that you've never heard of. You can show off the new gear to your friends and also save a ton while doing it. If you're interested in checking it out, head over to readyeddy.com slash members to get your first month free. What is going on, Ready Eddie Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with the founder of Core Surf, Andy Gossett. Andy, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me.
0: Yeah, great to be here. Looking forward to it.
1: Okay, so Core Surf. How would you best describe your business to someone who's never heard uh, of you before?
0: Yeah, so um, Core Surf is actually kind of you know continuously evolving about as to what we are and what we provide. You know, we started out um, you know just providing surfboard accessories to the core, no pun intended. Uh, Serve community. And and over the years, we've kind of branched out to be um, a hard, good accessories company, providing um, everything from storage racks to, you know, waterproof backpacks and bags and travel packs to uh, basically just providing quality gear that, you know, people that do spend a lot of time in the outdoors can put to good use.
1: So tell me a little bit, how did you get into this? What's what's your background um, in your upbringing?
0: Yeah, so I kind of came into it as a little bit of an outsider in the sense that I actually grew up in the Pacific Northwest and, um, you know, grew up, you know, skateboarding, snowboarding. I spent a lot of time in rivers, you know, kayaking. Um, but, you know, I, I, as I was, you know, getting into high school and, you know, Traveling around a little bit, started spending time in Oregon. And, you know, with that, you know, a lot of people out there snowboard and surf in the summers, started surfing a lot. Um, and long story short, I ended up taking a job out of college down here in Southern California, you know, so I could, you know, continue to, to surf more. And with that, you know, I obviously bought a surfboard, a really, really nice looking Surfboard. That to me, it was too too nice to just put in my garage. You know, so uh, it actually started out by I you know I, I created a wood, a really nice dark stained wood wall rack to store my surfboard, and it really wasn't you know I wasn't setting out to start a business or you know start a company. That was kind of before I really knew, um, you know, that I I do have a that entrepreneurial bone and you know where you know, I, I did see an opportunity. Uh, a lot of people were coming over to my house and, you know, they, instead of complimenting the surfboard, they, the first thing they're asking is, you know, Hey, where did you get that, that surfboard rack? And that's kind of when, you know, the, I had the light bulb moment of, you know, this is actually something that people need, you know? And I, so I did, you know, started doing my research and going around to different surf shops and they're really, really, just wasn't anything that catered to that market where people wanted to display a board, whether it was a collector or, you know, just a kid that wanted to put his board up in his room. You know, there, there were surfboard racks out there, but they definitely weren't appealing. You know, they were just in like a plastic bag in a, in the back of the surf shop, you know, you kind of had to ask and I mean, people there didn't really know, you know, they'd go dig around and find something. So that, you know, it, it all started from, from that. And, you know, took a, took a chance with that. And um, ever since then, you know, it's, it's kind of grown from there. And and every product is, you know, that we develop, almost every product is very unique. It, you know, it serves a certain purpose and no, you know, it's uh, each core product is kind of unique to itself. So it's serving a purpose, but it's not something that, you know, other people are really doing
1: definitely okay so this is the early 2000s when you started messing around with making your own rack for your personal surfboards what what happened next like what was the timeline of like okay enough people are like really interested in this rack i'm going to start selling it um yeah did you have do you have any woodworking experience did you kind of just fine-tune it over time and then um you know kind of take orders and then eventually put up a website or
0: yeah so i mean basically i you know i had a buddy that um you know, I kind of started the company with, and, you know, after a few years he kind of went his own separate direction, you know, which is the case with a lot of partnerships and I ended up taking over the business. But at that time, yeah, him and I kind of, uh, put together the, the first prototype and, you know, we went around to a few shops and, um, people, it, it was hard to, we couldn't really say, are you going to order this because we didn't have production and we didn't know how we were going to make it. Um, and so my background is actually in you know, ocean shipping, uh, working for a container ship company. So I kind of knew if I could find a way to get it made, you know, I, I could definitely get it here. So with a little bit of research, you know, going, going back, you know, I, would, I would tell people to do more research just because it's always good to, to know because we really took a huge risk. You know That first shipment that came in, we really didn't have any firm orders. And so it was really scary. It was definitely a huge, huge risk I took at a very young age where I, you know, didn't have, uh, I couldn't afford to really make any mistakes. So, yeah, it was a really scary moment. I went down to this shop in Huntington Beach called Huntington Surf and Sport, you know, right when we got the shipment in and walked in there with the first one I, you know, had and basically, you know, was just praying that they would even see me. And I actually ended up getting, you know, an order right there on the spot. And that's one of the, you know, for those, you know, that don't know Huntington Serving Sports, one of the, the largest, um, surf shops on the West coast. So that was, that was huge, a huge relief. And, you know, ever since, you know, from that moment on, you know, things just grew very quickly. We had a really high success rate because like I said, no one was making, it was packaged very nice. No one was making anything like that, and there was a demand for it. So, you know, we we quickly got um, distribution on the East Coast. So uh, things things actually grew very quick for the first few years.
1: And so in the beginning, it was all um, through retail shops. You didn't do much in terms of direct-to-consumer?
0: Right, yeah. Back in the, you know, early 2000s, um, we were mostly focused on where our success was and obviously we didn't have a lot of money either to put into you know websites and and web development and stuff like that so that was probably a couple years down the road that we actually did create our first website and um you know then but our our focus was largely on the the retail sector because we were we were having so much success.
1: That's really interesting. So at what point did you make that trend? And I, I guess um I guess my question is now, where is it? Is it a pretty even split between retail and direct to consumer? Or is one more profitable to you?
0: Yeah, well, I mean direct to consumer, it's definitely shifted over the past few years, especially the past, I'd say, three years, whereas it's pretty evenly split between um the online marketplace and going direct to uh, the, you know, kind of the the brick, traditional brick-and-mortar retail. So, yeah, over the last few years, we've really focused on strengthening our online presence, investing in, you know, um, everything from, you know, AdWords to PPC to um, social media, where we can really try to drive people directly to our store. Because, yeah, I mean, we do, you know, get higher margins if people are going, you know, direct, to the website and, and, you know, we have more control. We can have a direct relationship with the customer and learn more about them. And if they ever have an issue or a question, you know, we're there to, you know, to take care of it.
1: Right, now, at what point did you decide to introduce the uh, waterproof uh, backpacks and and duffels?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, that um, that was probably about four years ago. So, so what happened, um, It you know, for the first, maybe um, seven years, we just basically had four or five products. So we had um, a, a couple wood storage racks, one that would hold one board, one that would hold three boards. You know, we, we had started making paddleboard racks, obviously, because that, that market was, was booming. So we created storage racks for that. And um, about five, five years ago, I, you know, I kind of had a point where it was, it was more of a, a hobby, as opposed to a full-time business, and I had to really decide what I was going to do because it was it was you know tire tiresome after so many years of um, growing, but growing at a very slow slow pace. You know, not enough to sustain you know sustain my, me and my family. So I really had to decide. You know, what am I going to do? Is this it's too it's too successful to just you know fold or, you know, or sell or get rid of. Uh, so I, 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 had to decide, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to make this actually, you know, uh, a company that, uh, is going to grow and become successful that I can actually support myself with. So that's when, um, you know, I, I kind of, I've, I, I had over the years had a lot of ideas building up the, of products that I wanted to do. I had a lot more racks that I wanted to make for, you know, skateboards, bicycles, um, you know, different storage ideas for kayaks and, um, you know, all sorts of boards. Cause basically, you know, I design things that I need. And if I see something that maybe works, but could be done better or, um, or maybe that something's not even out there yet, that's, that's really where my strength is. And then I kind of, you know, tackle it one product at a time. So five years ago, that's when, you know, I really started developing a lot A lot more products and that's also when the backpacks and and duffel bags kind of came in that line opened up as well because that's another kind of passion i have is for tearing things apart and seeing how they could be done better and i really felt like in that market there's a couple big companies you know that are dominating that category and they don't really change much (laughs) you know like if you look at your backpacks no word backpack right right 12 years ago, it's going to be pretty similar. And I think that those guys kind of take advantage of having the, you know, the lead in the market. And I like, you know, things that are, have a clean look and, uh, are functional, but are not overpriced also. So that's, you know, I I started to go to work designing backpacks and tearing things apart. And, and, uh, yeah, about four years ago we launched our bag line and we've had great success.
1: Okay, so I actually have two questions. I want to talk first about um, the growth over time. So up until a few years ago, you were still doing this as more of a hobby, like you said. What were you doing for work to sort of supplement? What was that kind of balance like? Were you working pretty crazy hours?
0: Yeah, I mean, pretty crazy hours, because my job, you know, I was doing sales. So I was on the road a lot, traveling a lot. And, you know, also trying to continue to grow the business. So yeah, there's you know, there's a period of several years where it was just, um, you know, yeah, like 16 to 18 hour days, because you do have a lot when you know uh, to manage when you're you're running a company and trying to, you know, keep your your regular job going. So yeah, it was definitely several years of uh, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears.
1: Yeah, those are the fun years, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I want to ask you specifically about the sales growth. You said it was pretty slow in the beginning, and then you introduced um, these different products to really help, um, I guess, bolster the your sales. Um, was that, I guess, the key to the growth to then build the business to the point where you can now have a team of four full-time on this? Um,
0: yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely... It was a combination of factors. I think uh, one of it was expanding my channels because for the first six or seven years, I was, I was relying on distributors, you know, so I had a distributor on the East coast of the U S and on the West coast of the U S, but you know, that you're putting a lot of faith in other people to sell your product. And I didn't like that, you know, lack of control. Um, so uh, that's also when around the same time I started expanding my product line that's when I really started to bolster my, my channels where I was going more direct to consumer. I was bypassing the, the distribution network and going direct to the shops so I could have a relationship with the shops and make sure that our products are being displayed correctly, you know, because that's huge. If you go into like I said, if you go into a shop and the guy there doesn't even know, you know, who core is, he's not going to, you know, help people that come in looking for backpacks or racks so that's that was huge you know bypassing the distribution model and going direct to the shop and then at the same time continuing to grow our our online presence uh and then of course you know every n- new product that we we launched really focusing on on that product at that time getting it up to speed where it needs to be before we moved on to you know another product
1: how did you um work on the manufacturing process like obviously in the beginning you start with racks which is very different than duffel bags and backpacks like how did you manage that as you grew in terms of like sales and then also in terms of like the number of products that you offered um
0: well it's like i said it's one thing at a time and um you know we're talking about since 2003 um it's you know like i said i i basically start with an idea and then i i if i don't know how to make it or put it together then i'll find people that um that do and i'll work with them so you know for example i um i had an idea a few years ago for a um uh indoor bike rack you know so like if you're living in a small studio apartment you don't have a lot of room you want to keep your bike in there because you don't have a you know a garage or storage unit um, that it folds out so when you come in you can fold the bike up the rack up and store your bike and it's a shelf and you can store your bike then when you leave you can just fold it away and I wasn't really sure I knew what I wanted but I wasn't really you know sure you know how I was going to get it so my cousin actually is just a genius furniture wood you know woodworker and so him and I collaborated and we just kept making samples and kept making samples you know, until we we had it right, and then once we did that, you know, then I went out to the factories and um, you know started working with them to make sure they could make it right consistently at the quality that we needed. Because a lot of what we do, we I, I try to use boo because it's it's a sustainable wood, and um, you know I I I like the way it looks, and I you know I like working with it. So you know, it does take time. Some products some products do take a year or two to develop so i could be ha- i could have multiple projects going on at the same time um just fine tuning before i actually go to market with them
1: that's interesting now do you have a manufacturing partner or do you do a lot of the work in house how does that work
0: um no i i do a, a lot of the work in house but you know i do um i do have to go to Asia a lot to work with my factories because I've been working with them for many years, and um, you know the relationship is really good there too. So it's just kind of a mix of both.
1: What's been the hardest part about starting and building core? Uh,
0: well, definitely, money is I think is the the <laughs> yeah, biggest I mean, challenge. I can see you know? that <laughs> I mean that's what like if I could in a perfect world. Um, you know, I'd, I'd have a lot more products because I have a lot more ideas. But you know, banks—they're just still—they haven't really caught up with you know e-commerce and and the rest of how the economy, how quick the economy uh, functions and reacts to market. So it's very challenging if you're going to try to go to a traditional bank. You know, being a small business, um, the days are. C- kind of gone, at least with what I've seen, where you can go to your local bank and give them your business plan and they're going to fund you. Uh, it's much more difficult nowadays. So um, the good thing about what has happened with that is now there are a lot of smaller companies that have popped up to to help small businesses grow. So that's why, you know, you'll see my growth over the last four years has, has gone up, you know, not because I just not just because I created new products is because I was actually able to get the financing to create those products, so it's like chicken or the egg. You can have a great idea, but if no one's going to fund it, uh, it's not going to it's not going to get off the ground. And so that that is the for me. That's all, and that's still that's still the biggest challenge. Is just you know, as you grow, then you need you know you you have bigger orders, and you have uh, you have to manage that cash flow. So I would I would say you know. That is, that's the biggest challenge. But when you're an entrepreneur, you're faced with challenges every day. Whether it's, you know, making sure that the product arrives on time, whether it's stuck in customs, you know. Now we have these uh, uh, duties and tariffs, you know, from, uh, you know, the president. So it's it's you're always if you're an entrepreneur, you always have things getting thrown your way.
1: Yeah, you wear a lot of hats, and you're constantly dodging things. <laughs> right, right. But it's also
0: that's kind of what makes it fun too. Yeah, that's know. definitely true.
1: Keeps you on your toes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And what's your what's your greatest fear, and how do you manage it in regards to core surf?
0: Um, I, yeah, I don't. know. That's a good question. I guess, I guess, I try not to focus a lot on on fear because it can waste a lot of your energy. But that being said, I guess the biggest fear is another economic downturn because. You know when the economy goes down the first thing people start doing is or stop doing is their activities because they you know they don't have the money to go (laughs) to go do it so it's that disposable income it goes away and you know we survived the first recession you know but you know we were a lot smaller so i think you know uh that's obviously out of my control so i try not to worry about it but you know that that's always in the back of your head is Hey if, if this did happen if we had another one of these you know huge collapse, economic collapses what you know what would we do you know to get through it and luckily we are we do we still are pretty lean and mean so i think we'd be okay but it's always in the back of your head
1: Oh definitely it's, it's actually something i my team and i have been thinking about recently cuz it's it's like the first time like we didn't exist during the last recession in 08 which was obviously a pretty heavy hitter Mm-hmm. If something even like slightly happened. I'm like, Hmm, I wonder how that would affect us. <laughs> you know, it's like, just like yeah. on the back of your mind, we're just like, Hmm, maybe we should put together a rainy day fund just in case. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So
0: yeah. And it's, but it's good to have a little bit of fear because it does keep you on your toes. I think, you know, you never want to think that you're in the clear and you can go spend, you know, a bunch of money, you know, on something you don't need (laughs) you know because in the when you are an entrepreneur people do come at you and say hey do you want a bigger warehouse you know do you want this do you want this and so you know we try to practice definitely being conservative when it comes to do we actually really need this you know to run our business and so with that you know with that we've been able to keep our debt very very low
1: what would you say have been some of the biggest mistakes that you've made with CoreServe up to this point
0: Oh man, there's so many. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's because I did start it very very young. I mean, I did go to um, you know, I studied international
1: business. You know, so how I had old a little, were you when you started?
0: Um, let's see, I I would have been like um, 25, I think, 25 or 26.
1: So nice and naive. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and and yeah, n- not you know, not ever coming from the surf industry or worked in the surf industry or even really knew anyone in the surf industry. Uh, it was, it was just definitely learn as you go learn on the fly. Um, so it, you know, I had to, I had to learn who the players were. And, you know, like I said, I had to find distributors and start going to trade shows and, and really learn. I, I did know a lot about, you know, the snowboard industry, um, and a little bit about the skateboard industry. So I kind of had, you know, I had a base, but of course, it's different. It's different people and different buyers and stuff like that. So I had to learn a lot. But I think, you know, a lot of the mistakes were just um, in working with factories and quality issues. And, you know, I I did have, I think it was our second shipment that came from uh, China of surfboard racks. We, we, we used, uh, at that time, we used the rubber wood, the wood from a, a rubber tree. And um, because it's really strong, they use it in a lot of the high-end furniture um, because it's very strong and, you know, they grow it on farms. So, you know, it's, they're not chopping down rainforests, you know, so it's, it's still a sustainable wood. So we were using that and we actually had a, um, our second container, I think it was like a $20,000 order. It showed up and we unloaded it in the warehouse and we finally, we got it all in, all stacked up and, and nice and neat and organized. And we sat down and we opened up the first box and, um, the rack snapped, the wood snapped and they had actually used pine or a wood very similar to pine, which is terrible. You know, it's not going to hold a surfboard or, or anything. So that was a disaster. Um, cause we had just got off, we just, you know, we'd been in business for maybe 10 months. And it was our first reorder. We were so excited about it and we just got burned big time. So that was, that I'll, I'll never forget that. And I mean, you know, blessing in disguise, I'll never make that mistake again, <laughs> you know, of just trusting people that are just going to, they're just going to do it. So I was a little too trusting back then, but um, yeah, needless to say, that was, that was, a you know, we, we couldn't sell that. So we had to kind of scramble.
1: Yeah, it's funny with manufacturing, it's like you're kind of taking a, a leap of faith that the first batch is going to show up correctly.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then and in our case, the first batch did, but the second batch is where they got us. So, yeah, lesson learned. You know, like I said, that's why I, I now I've got really great relationships and make sure that we have inspections before everything leaves and, you know, make sure everything's up to par th- throughout the whole supply chain. Cause, you know, especially with bamboo, cause there's a lot of, um, you know there are a lot of places around the world that they will go into areas where they're not supposed to cut the bamboo and and cut it. So it's really important that I actually go to the farm where they are cutting the bamboo and um, and actually seeing it and seeing the whole supply chain. That's really important to who who we are. That we know you know the whole where all the where all the materials are coming from.
1: Yeah. I think that's very, very important. And, and, and over, you kind of learn that over time, right? Like in the beginning, like you said, like there's just like a little bit of a, a learning curve with working with outside manufacturing. Um, yeah, for sure. What advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in the outdoor space or just a business in general? Oh boy.
0: Um, I, I think it would be focus on your strengths, you know, cause l- you know, like you were saying before, you have to wear a lot of different hats when you're an entrepreneur. So it's easy to get sidetracked. You know, you have to learn a little bit about accounting and, um, you know, supply chain and inventory, but, you know, you can't let it distract you from what you're good at and what your strengths are. Uh, That's really been the key for me is, you know, I'm not, I'm not good at, at accounting. So I just, you know, I hire that out. So I'm not wasting time. I can focus on doing what I like to do, which is developing products. So I think that's really the key: is not not getting diverted from what you're what you're good at and what your ultimate goal is.
1: Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Where do you see Core Surf in the next year, five years, ten years down the road? Yeah, I mean we're just going to continue
0: to grow. Like I said, I've, I still um, I'm you know, I'm working on a lot of different. Um, products and we're still going to grow our, our our bag line. I'm working on some different travel travel backpacks right now, and um, some different size duffel bags, you know, for different you know different types of uses. Whether it's you know um, being out on a river for two weeks, you know, submerged in water, or you know uh, just continuing to work on on you know finding different materials and different uh, zippers, and then also I've got you know, several different, uh, you know, racks. So yeah, we're, we're going to continue to just create unique products that,
1: you know, that people,
0: people can use.
1: Now, what's the best part about running core surf?
0: Um, I, I honestly, I think it's the community. I, we've, I've got a great team of, you know, riders and, uh, people that work for me and we all surf and we all, you know, snowboard, we all, have fun. And, and I think that's the best part is really just being around people that like to do what you like to do. Uh, for me, that's the, that's really when I'm having the most fun is when we're at a trade show and you're surrounded by, you know, a bunch of people who are all there for the same reason you are. That's, that's what I really love about it.
1: Yeah. It's, it just takes, uh, the outdoor community in general. It's, it's a very, uh, close community of people that just love to get outside whether it's surfing, snowboarding, skiing, really anything. It's just, it's funny how tight-knit and um, community-focused it is, which is what drew me in, and I'm sure, like you said, drew you in as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Um, well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on uh, the podcast, Andy, and share your story and Core Surf story. And if anyone listening before February 6th wants uh, a chance to win a $200 gift card from Core Surf along with a ton of other gear, um, they can head over to com for their chance to win before February 6th. And with that, Andy, thanks so much again for coming on sharing your story. I'm um, really excited to see what you guys uh, do in the future.
0: Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me on.
1: If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready A Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.